from Podcast One. Coming up in this episode of Target USA. The National Security Podcast. The Russian activity in terms of intervening and trying to disrupt and sow discord in our country. The Russians are not for Republicans or Democrats. They're for trying to sow discord in the United States of America. They have not stopped their activities as of Election Day 2016. Nine months after investigations into Russian meddling in the U.S. began, we take an incisive look at what's happened since then with Senator Mark Warner, Vice Chairman of the Senate Intelligence Committee and one of the leaders into the historic investigations into how Russia meddled in the 2016 presidential election. And because of what Warner calls new threads in the investigation, some people may have to return to talk to them. Some of the principals that may have come and testified months ago to our staff, um, like Donald Trump Jr. and Jared Kushner and um, Michael Cohen, Mr. Trump's lawyer, they need to come back. And Warner has some serious concerns about the U.S.'s preparedness to deal with another attempt like what happened during the presidential election in 2016. We may be investing in the best 20th century military that exists when conflict in the 21st century may more, more and more be waged in cyber warfare. All that and more coming up on this edition of Target USA. The National Security Podcast. From WTOP in Washington, D.C., this is Target USA. Russia could render huge harm to this country. North Korea's secret missile. Capable of reaching the whole of the United States. Dangerous terrorist. D.C. is repeatedly mentioned as someplace they would like to seek an attack. Cyber criminals. Decryption successful. America has a target on its back. And on this program, we investigate the threats, the people behind them, the agencies fighting them, and the impact on you. This is Target USA. The National Security Podcast. I'm J.J. Green. The U.S. intelligence community has concluded Russian President Vladimir Putin ordered operatives to interfere in the 2016 U.S. presidential election, a Target USA investigation that began in November of 2016 examined how that attack happened, when it started, who was involved, and what was to come. We conducted dozens of interviews in the U.S. and abroad with current and former intelligence officials, members of Congress, cybersecurity and intelligence experts, foreign government officials, Russian nationals, and American victims. One of the key interviews we did was with Virginia Senator Mark Warner. He is the vice chairman of the Senate Intelligence Committee. Nine months ago, we talked to him about what he learned, and on this program, we go back to Senator Warner to find out what else they've learned as this investigation continues. Now, I need to ask your indulgence and patience with this particular episode because the audio quality on the other end is not the best. We pride ourselves on always doing the best possible audio quality recordings. This was a remote interview, and somewhere between there and our studios, we did not get the best quality. But I would urge you to give it a full listen, because what it is that Senator Warner says is groundbreaking, and in some ways, it's a forewarning of what we can expect to come in the coming years. Senator, we spoke in April 
of last year, just uh, after your investigation had begun to get rolling into Russian meddling in the U.S. election. You gave us a very comprehensive overview of what you had learned at the time. So I'm interested in hearing what you've learned since the investigation started since we spoke last time. Well, I think we've learned a number of important factors, and many of them we have bipartisan agreement on. First, we've got full documentation that the Russians tried to intervene and did successfully intervene in our elections in a comprehensive, unprecedented way in an effort to try to help one candidate, Mr. Trump, and hurt another candidate, Hillary Clinton. We know that for a fact, and I think there's general agreement. Second, we know that the Russians tried to intervene in 21 states' electoral systems. They didn't change actual vote totals, but they pinged voter rolls and did other um, cyber interference. And finally, uh, late last summer, we got the Department of Homeland Security to acknowledge this, to notify the 21 states. And while we're not making as much progress as I'd like, I think we are going to be better protected in terms of our state electoral systems for the 2018 and 2020 elections. Third, I think we exposed uh, the very active role that the Russians played using social media. And when we had our last conversation in April, the social media companies were reluctant to acknowledge the amount of Russian intervention, not just paid ads, which were a small percentage of the intervention, but the number of fake accounts that were created, the use of bots, the use of trying to drive traffic to some of these fake pages that would all stir up discontent in our country. And I think we've been pretty successful at getting those companies to act more responsibly, be more transparent when foreigners try to interfere in our electoral process. So I think we've made progress on that front. On the key questions of the level of Russian collaboration with either campaign, particularly the Trump campaign, um, we still haven't reached full conclusions. I'm reserving judgment until we see everyone. But we do know that there were repeated Russian efforts, uh, most famously through the June meeting with Mr. Manafort and Mr. Kushner and Mr. Trump Jr., but also contacts made by Russians with Mr. Papadopoulos, who since pled guilty to the FBI about lying, where Russians offered dirt on Hillary Clinton. They've made contacts with a, a at least reported in the press, uh, contacts with Carter Page, who was again one of the Trump campaign officials. There were activities dealing with a proposed Trump Tower in Moscow. Uh, so there were a series of outreach from Russian agents to the Trump campaign that we've never seen in prior time in American political history. Uh, and then we also have seen, particularly from the special prosecutor's standpoint, um, two guilty pleas in terms of the national security advisor, General Flynn, and a campaign advisor, Mr. Papadopoulos. And we've got the campaign manager, Mr. Manafort, and his deputy campaign manager, Mr. Gates, under indictment. And clear expectation that there will be more charges coming from the special prosecutor. So while we're nine months after we had our last conversation, a huge amount of progress. I would like to have seen that we've reached full conclusions, but the unfortunate thing is new threads continue to pop up. We've seen the president's senior political advisor both call out the irresponsibility of the June meeting, but also level very serious charges about the president's financial dealings in terms of money laundering with Russians. Now, that's being, I'm sure, investigated by Mr. Mueller in terms of the criminal criminality, but as much as I'd like this to come to a conclusion 
thing. We've got to follow all the facts. You know, speaking specifically, um, Senator, about what Mr. Bannon said, I saw your tweet where you said, I, I don't often agree with Steve Bannon, but we should be all able to agree that if a foreign adversary approaches you with dirt on a political opponent, any true patriot would alert the FBI immediately. Would you expand on your thoughts a bit about that? Yes, I think it's, again, Steve Bannon's not somebody I agree with. It's not somebody I, I sort of size. Or I, he's not somebody I, I uh, use as a source or, or refer to often. But, you know, even Mr. Bannon recognized that if you've got Russian agents meeting with senior-level campaign officials, including the candidate's son, and they're offering dirt on a political candidate, you ought to turn that over to the FBI. That would be what a responsible American would do. I mean, we saw press reports this past weekend that Mr. Papadopoulos, again, a Trump campaign aide, offered the same kind of information to the Australian ambassador. And when the Australian ambassador started to see these, the dirt, the emails show up in the press, even the Australian ambassador had the good sense to turn that kind of information over so, to the FBI. So, I, you know, I, I, in the case of the June meeting, I agree that responsible folks would have turned that over to law enforcement. Okay. So what is, how does that information from the last 24 hours inform your thinking and your calculus as far as your committee goes moving well, forward? You know, listen, Mr. Bannon was not at that meeting, so this is conjecture by Mr. Bannon. Uh, I can agree with his conclusion, at least about turning information over. I think the, some of the more serious charge that Mr. Bannon made was, uh, in effect, in, impugning that potentially the president was involved with money laundering uh, with Russians. And there have been other stories uh, of that type. And I, I know, I'm sure Mr. Mueller is looking into that. That falls into the criminality area. But it's um, pretty remarkable to me when the president's last campaign manager and then also viewed as his top political advisor, at least for the first part of his administration, are making these kind of charges. So moving moving further into the investigation of this, Mr. Trump's um, deep state reference to the Justice Department seemed to revive his allegations of conspiratorial motives within the agency for this broad probe into Russian meddling in the 2016 presidential election. Now, I know that's separate and apart from what you you were doing, your committee is doing, but it has to it has to give you some some concern, I would imagine, that he thinks that way and at least is willing to say that kind of thing publicly about an investigation by a, a, a part of his his government. What, what do you make of that? I think it's very dangerous when elected leaders at any level make broad brush attacks against our law enforcement institutions. You know, because these are, some of these attacks, particularly more by certain members of Congress, have been you know, not only complaining about the special prosecutor, but in effect impugning the integrity of the whole FBI or impugning the integrity of the whole Justice Department. When you make those kind of charges, you can't take those words back. And that undermines Americans' trust in our law enforcement. And uh, I think that is irresponsible. I think it's dangerous. I think it's inappropriate. And you know, I just would hope that some of these folks would take a moment and think about what and who they're impugning before they make these reckless statements. I mean, because um, you know, I may not agree with everything the Justice Department and every 
action they've taken or the FBI. I'm out of, you know, question certain individuals' actions, but you know, I don't. I've, I've never seen a responsible leader go out and, in effect, impugn a whole department or a whole agency in the way that some of these figures are right now. This is this is serious, serious, um, and I think in many cases reckless behavior. That's Senator Mark Warner, Democrat from Virginia, vice chairman of the Senate Intelligence Committee. And we apologize again for the disparity in the audio here, but we believe the quality of what he says is well worth your time. And when we come back, and when we come back, Warner, in our exclusive interview, is worried that what happened with the Russian meddling in the 2016 election is just the beginning and the U.S. may not be ready. We've seen folks like the Chinese, you know, hack into Epifax or hack into OPM. We've seen the Russians in terms of disrupting our elections. And I worry that cyber misinformation, disinformation, fake news um, may be the tools of conflict in the 21st century, and I'm not sure we're fully ready for that. More when we continue on Target USA. The National Security Podcast. I'm J.J. Green, and this is Target USA. The National Security Podcast. On this podcast, we've been talking with Democrat Senator Mark Warner of Virginia, Vice Chairman of the Senate Intelligence Committee. It's an update to our series, Anatomy of a Russian Attack, chronicling Russia's meddling in the 2016 presidential election and what's been determined and found out since then in multiple investigations. It should be pointed out, for the sake of objectivity, we reached out to Senator Warner's Republican colleague, Senator Richard Burr of North Carolina, the chairman of the Senate Intelligence Committee, but were not able to arrange an interview with him. We also reached out to the White House to get President Trump's perspective on what Senator Warner had to say. We did not get a reply. Now back to our interview. Now, the Russians have been periodically vocal about this situation, uh, obviously saying again, reiterating that we had nothing to do with this and we didn't do anything, which runs counter to everything that the intelligence community has said and what you've found so far. And as you said earlier in this conversation, you've got full documentation that there was something going on and you're still working to get to the bottom of exactly how it connected, if at all, to this administration. Do you see any change in Russian activities so far? Have you? No, the Russian activity in terms of intervening and trying to disrupt and sow discord in our country. The Russians are not for Republicans or Democrats, they're for trying to sow discord in the United States of America. They have not stopped their activities as of Election Day 2016. Because if you look back, you know, for the relatively small amount of money that the Russians spent with their paid social media activity, with leaking information, with creating fake accounts on Facebook and Twitter and elsewhere, um, you know, they got a pretty good return on investment. Matter of fact, you've seen Russia use these same tactics in the French elections in 2017. You saw them use the same tactics in the Dutch elections. And what frightens me as a policymaker is if you add up all the money Russia spent in our elections, the French elections, and the Dutch elections, and double it, it's less than the cost of one new F-35 airplane. 
Mm. So I worry at times that, you know, from a national perspective, you know, the fact that the president has not acknowledged this threat means that we don't have a whole of government approach to counter it. But it also means, you know, from our broad based military approach, we may be investing in the best 20th century military that exists when conflict in the 21st century may more, more and more be waged in cyber warfare. We've seen folks like the Chinese you know, hack into Equifax or hack into OPM. We've seen the Russians in terms of disrupting our elections. And I worry that cyber misinformation, disinformation, fake news um, may be the tools of conflict in the 21st century, and I'm not sure we're fully ready for that. Senator, a number of people that have been asked to testify have either, if correct me if I'm wrong, uh, have been less than 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 forthcoming, uh, and and some have seemingly tried to undercut attempts to question them, and others I don't know if they've even appeared. What does that against the backdrop of what you just said about the Russians continuing their activities? Uh, what does that the two of them say to you about this situation? Well, when you've got individuals who are involved in the investigation refusing to testify, at least to the congressional committees. What you do is it strings out the length of the time it takes for us to investigate. My hope is that Mr. Mueller, who's running a totally independent investigation, which we're not coordinating with and not fully aware of where he stands, um, my hope is that he's got more tools than we do to compel people to testify. But you know, what this does is it, it adds more it, it, it makes getting to a conclusion more difficult. You know, for example, one of the things I'm going to want is that some of the principals that may have come and testified months ago to our staff, um, like Donald Trump Jr. and Jared Kushner and um, Michael Cohen, Mr. Trump's lawyer, if they need to come back. I can't imagine any Senate committee finishing this kind of investigation without the senators themselves having the opportunity to question the principals. So um, you know, they've said in the past they're eager to cooperate, and my hope is over the coming weeks and months um, we'll get a chance to get them back in. And I would hope in public, but uh, whether it's public or private, uh, we get a chance to directly ask them questions. Well, that was what my next question was. What should we expect from your committee in the coming weeks and months? And is this something that we should expect to extend beyond this year? Or is do you have an idea? I'd like this to wrap up as soon as it can, because I'd, I'd like to bring it to a conclusion. If there is, if we find evidence of collaboration and collusion, and, and I'm not saying we haven't, I'm just saying I'm reserving all judgment until we finish, or if there's nothing there to remove the cloud that's over this administration. But uh, what and I, I believe we will finish this year. Um, but the sooner we can finish means the cooperation of witnesses. It means working through with uh, my chairman, you know, all of the remaining witnesses. It also means, uh, you know, monitoring at least what happens on the Mueller investigation where, uh, you know, people that may have pled guilty may end up um, having more stories to tell. And, uh, um, you know, again, I... I know some folks are tired of hearing about this, but the sooner the sooner we can get all the facts out, the better. What we may, you know, what I feel is a great deal of pressure right now, and this may happen before we finish, uh, but I think we've learned a lot of lessons on how the 
Russians have tried to penetrate, for example, our electoral systems. And I think it's important that we send a strong bipartisan message about how our election systems need to tighten their security and be on better guard. I think we need to do that within the next month uh, before the primaries start happening in the late spring. I think it's important with the social media companies where the Facebook and Twitters and Googles, uh, where they have on their own made significant policy changes in terms of more transparency about Russian and other foreign influencers on you know, masquerading as Americans or trying to interfere in our electoral system. But I think we need to continue to pursue making sure that uh, when you read something on the internet, at least you've got some idea that the source might be American versus um, a foreign agent. And I think we need to keep pressing on, on social media. And again, I think there's broad bipartisan consensus there. Uh, I also think you know some of these questions about you know the collusion and collaboration, and then the, the areas that Mr. Mueller has in terms of criminality. You know, we've got to get to the bottom of that, and we've got to get it in a way that we can come forward. And again, my hope is still to bring a bipartisan report back to the American public, so they can say, okay, this is what's happened, and this is how we're going to prevent it from happening again in the future. The Trump camp, Mr. Trump himself, is continually challenged the objectivity of special counsel Robert Mueller. And that's continuing. Part of the broader campaign, um, you know, to, to, to say it's, it's, it's a witch hunt. What makes this whole investigation on your part and from Mr. Mueller's point of view, I'm sure you can speak not for the investigation, but certainly for the principle behind it, but what makes it not a witch hunt? Well, this was an investigation that was initiated or allowed to be initiated by a Republican Attorney General, Attorney General Sessions. Mr. Mueller was appointed by Rod Rosenstein, a, a career prosecutor, but someone whose uh, political affiliation is known as Republican. The new FBI director, Christopher Wray, is a known Republican donor, and he supported Mr. Mueller. And in the case of Mr. Mueller, you have somebody who served as FBI director for presidents of both parties, but as an acknowledged Republican. So from Mr. Mueller, through all of the folks who oversee him and have overseen him, are all Republicans. And you know, so the idea that somehow Mr. Mueller is, is part of some partisan cabal just doesn't pass the smell test. And a matter of fact, when, if anything, when Mr. Mueller found out that one of his FBI agents was expressing, you know, personal political views that were against Mr. Trump, the first thing Mr. Mueller did was got rid of that guy from being on the investigation, which I think would even further prove his integrity. And you don't hear out of Mr. Mueller a lot of comments or commentary. He's been running this, I think, uh, in a first-rate way. And I just am, again, disappointed that so many folks in this town would go out and attack him. Somebody who uniformly was praised when he was appointed as being uh, above, uh, above repute. This situation with the president on the world stage on several occasions, as I've mentioned to you before, has impugned the credibility of the intelligence community. I've spoken personally with several leaders from U.S. allies from other countries who are personally troubled by uh, their ability to trust the U.S. Do you see any, do you see any risk beyond 
what may happen with your investigation, the conclusion of yours or Mr. Mueller's. Um, do you see any risk the U.S. is facing right now in terms of all of this playing out the way it has? Absolutely. I see this risk play out when the president engaged in, engages in a Twitter war with Kim Jong-un over who's got a bigger nuclear weapon. That is not presidential. That does not breed confidence amongst our allies or the ability for us to have a worldwide coalition against North Korea. I see huge damage done to our intelligence community, who we have to rely on, whether it's advice about North Korea or advice about Iran or advice about how we go after ISIS. And when the president, you know, when it's his choice decides to undermine the credibility of the intelligence community because he disagrees with their conclusion about Russian interference, even though we've seen similar Russian tactics used in France, used in the Netherlands, attempted to be used in Germany, it appears to be used in the Brexit vote in the UK. Uh, you know, at some point you've got to acknowledge the facts. And this undermining of institutions, whether it's law enforcement or the intelligence community, does not protect our country and does not enhance America's position in the world. My last question for you is, of all the things you've spoken about specifically that you have very clearly pointed out here and on other media and in other forum and, you know, other fora and, 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 and in, in, in the public, you've been troubled by a number of things that have taken place. What is the thing, what is the issue, what, what is the element that troubles you most even at this stage as your investigation continues to proceed? What troubles me the most and it has implications beyond the 2016 election and whether the Trump campaign colluded or not with the Russians, is the fact that I think in the 21st century, conflict will probably not play out oftentimes with tanks and ships and planes, but it may play out in the field of fake information and misinformation and disinformation. It will play out in terms of cyber actors using cyber tools to steal our intellectual property or steal our personal information or potentially infiltrate not just our electoral systems but our utilities or our banking systems. I think we're seeing conflict between nation states move from guns and bullets and rockets increasingly into the area of data and information and misinformation. And I think the success of the Russian effort to sow discord or for that matter other countries' efforts to steal our intellectual property um, is an area that we really have to step up our game. And on this issue, I think the problem you know, is compounded by a Trump administration that doesn't acknowledge this threat, but it was a threat that goes back and wasn't fully recognized by the Obama administration or the Bush administration for that matter. That was our conversation with Virginia Democrat Senator Mark Warner on January 4th, 2018, an update on the Senate Intelligence Committee's investigation into Russian meddling. So let's review. Here's what we learned. One, after nine months, they've learned the Russians have not stopped their efforts. Two, the Steve Bannon revelations about the, quote, June meeting at Trump Tower and allegations of money laundering may extend the investigations. Three, Warner is hopeful that the investigation would wrap up before the year's end, but it may not. Four, some of the people that have already testified may have to come back. Fifth, and perhaps the most concerning piece of information that we learned is that Senator Warner believes the U.S. may not be prepared 
for the 21st century cyber and disinformation warfare that's coming. Again, Senator Warner is a Democrat, and we reached out to his Republican counterpart, Senator Richard Burr of North Carolina, but his office was not able to make the interview happen. We also reached out to the White House as well for a response to Senator Warner's comments. They were not able to facilitate an interview either. Coming up is our 100th episode of Target USA, and I guarantee it will be memorable. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. Please subscribe to our podcast. And also, let me know what you think. Send me an email at jgreen at wtop.com. That's the letter J, the color green, at Whiskey Tango Oscar Papa. jgreen at wtop.com. I'm J.J. Green, and this is Target USA. The National Security Podcast. Can't get enough golf? Podcast One is the new home of Golflandia with Matthew Wiley. Every Monday, all season long, tune in to hear Matt talk predictions, tournament recaps, and interview guests from in and around the world of PGA and Euro Golf. He'll even talk business, branding, and family life. Because it all relates to golf. Download episodes of Golflandia every Monday exclusively on PodcastOne.com, the new Podcast One app, and Apple Podcasts. Now. Stay tuned for the latest headlines from the Associated Press.